Hey, thanks for listening to the Join My League Football Podcast. Today I'll be discussing who the best wide receiver in the game currently is, who is the worst starting quarterback in the league, is it Dak Prescott or Blake Bortles, week eight picks and more. Stick around, it's going to be fun. Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Kaleka. Well, I'm back again. I'm here. I uh, I didn't win the lottery. Didn't win the big 1.6 billion, but that's okay. I didn't play it. You know, I didn't play the lottery. I didn't try to win the 1.6 billion dollars. But that's kind of weird, huh? You know, you figure putting down 10, 20, 30 bucks would be worth the chance to win 1.6 billion dollars, but I don't think it is. You have. More of a chance to get struck by lightning twice, get into a plane crash, and survive that plane crash than you would winning $1.6 billion through the lottery. And to be honest, I wouldn't want to win that much money anyway. That's a lot of money. What am I going to do with all of that money? It sounds miserable. Now I can hear you asking how. How can being financially set for the rest of your life make you miserable? Well, the answer to me is loneliness. You become an automatic ATM machine to all of those people you've considered lifelong friends and family. Money is the one way to drive a wedge between lifelong relationships. Now, if I had $1.6 billion, I would give several million dollars to my family. But I got to tell you, I'm getting new friends. I'm buying new friends. I'd quit my job and I do this podcast full time. You know why? Passion. This is a passion to me. And over the next couple of months, with big changes coming in my personal life along with the upcoming holidays, things may not be as consistent. They may not, you know, I might not be able to get episodes released as consistent. I'm still going to shoot for releasing an episode every Friday, but don't be surprised if an episode is released a day late or even a day early. I'm going to make time for this thing. Just as I said, it may not be consistently on Fridays, but we'll see what happens uh, when that time comes. Like I said, this is not a job for me. I do this for free and I do not get paid. So now's a good time actually to mention that you can support this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash join my league. You can click the support this podcast button. Any kind of donation helps and is greatly appreciated. Now, let's get started, okay? What a week it was in the National Football League, week seven. I did good. I did real good, as a matter of fact. But once again, I let my overthinking get the best of me. Late Saturday into early uh, Sunday, in my mind, I changed the one pick that ruined my week, ruined my perfect slate for the week. I changed in my mind my pick from the Jets to the Vikings in my pickums and whatnot. I flirted with the idea of posting my change of heart on social media to save face. This is my podcast, my rules, I can do that. But I didn't do that. You know, I didn't go on social media and said, hey, you know what, I know on the on episode 10 I said I was going to take the Jets, but I changed my mind, I'm going with the Vikings. You know, I'll chalk it up as a loss. The Vikings are better than the Jets everywhere on paper, and it's uh, showed Sunday. They're more skilled. They're more talented, they're better coached, they're smarter, they have the experience, they're Super Bowl contenders and the Jets are not, and I still pick the Jets. My reasoning being, well, the Vikings goof up games like this. 
That is how you outsmart yourself. So learn from the mistake I made last week. Don't get cute and pick smart. Had I not outsmarted myself, I would have been 5-0 on the podcast pickums for the week. But it's okay. I still had a good day. I had a uh, better day than Cowboys kicker, Brett Maher, that's for sure. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys offense took the field with just over a minute left in the game against Washington. They drove down the field and set up kicker Brett Maher for a chance to tie the game pending a 47-yard field goal. An erroneous penalty on the Cowboys long snapper pushed the offense back five yards and Maher hit the upright, the ball trailed off, and the Redskins won the game 20-17. And now the Redskins sit atop of the NFE standings alone, a game and a half ahead of everybody else. And I also had a better day than Justin Tucker, the Baltimore Ravens ticker, a kicker who pushed a game-tying extra point wide, costing the Ravens against the Saints 24-23. That was Tucker's first missed extra point since high school. Bad day. Buccaneers kicker Chandler Cantanzaro almost cost his team a victory over the Browns. Luckily, he redeemed himself in overtime. He sank a 59-yarder to win the game. A couple of weeks ago, you remember the awful game that Mason Crosby had. He cost the Packers a game, missing a number of field goals against the Lions. The awful game Daniel Carlson had for the Vikings in Week 2 that led to a tie. And all of the rest of the terrible kicking performances we have seen so far this year. What in the world is going on with kickers? I don't know, but I will tell you one thing that I love it. Field goals and even extra points are no longer extended bathroom breaks. Remember that? You'd be watching a game, a team would score a touchdown, and you'd hit the bathrooms before the extra point attempt, or a chip shot shot field goal in the third quarter tie the game. You could comfortably, uh, comfortably assume the field goal would be made, so you didn't need to watch it. Maybe hit the kitchen, get a snack or a beer, miss the commercial break, come back just in time for the ensuing kickoff. You can't do that anymore because you cannot bank on any of these kickers. If you can't bank on Justin Tucker to make an extra point, then there's no such thing as an automatic kick anymore. And in my opinion, it's awesome and I love it. And you know what else I love? I love the way the Kansas City Chiefs, the Minnesota Vikings, the uh, New Orleans Saints, the LA Rams and the LA Chargers, I love the way those teams are playing right now. The five hottest teams in the NFL, starting with the Chiefs, man. They are so much fun to watch. And I hate to admit it because I haven't been right about them so far this year. I'm not rooting against the Chiefs because I have anything against the team or Patrick Mahomes. I'm rooting against them because I want to be right. And I'm still not quite a believer just yet. I don't think I can completely believe in them at any point this season. The defense played great on Sunday night, and if they play like that every week, this team might be unstoppable. But I don't think they can. They have too many holes. Too many holes to fill. And that means they're putting it all on a 23-year-old quarterback who only has seven or eight career starts, and I don't trust it. What Patrick Mahomes has done to uh, to start his career has been brilliant. It's like a video game. It's like a game of Madden, you know, create a player, adjust his ratings so he's 99 overall. You import your created player into your franchise as a rookie. He's going to win rookie of the year, MVPs. He's going to break single season records and touchdowns and passing yards and win the Super Bowl and then he gets Super Bowl MVP. That's how Patrick Mahomes is playing this year. Like my created player in Madden video game. 
doesn't happen in real life ever. But it's happening right now, and for the Chiefs to contend in January, he's going to have to continue to put up video game-like numbers, and I don't think he can. He's just 23 years old. But we'll see. That's why we watch the game. But when it does happen, I will be the first to say, I told you so. Now, the Chargers are as hot as can be, and Phillip Rivers looks as good as ever. And they won't even have their best player, best defensive player, on the field till week nine. This is a scary team, and you have to keep an eye on them. Their only losses so far are to the Chiefs and the Rams. The Rams, the only undefeated team left in the league. They show no signs of slowing down. I think you can pick apart a team's schedule and say, well, the Rams should be beating these teams. But the Rams are handling these teams with ease. They dominated the 49ers, which is what they should be doing as Super Bowl contenders. You think the Rams would be considered the best team in the league if they're just barely squeaking past San Francisco and Arizona? No, they wouldn't be considered the best team in the league if they're just squeaking past crappy teams. They wouldn't. They should be beating the Brakes off these lousy teams, and that's exactly what they're doing. I still think the Rams' defense is a little bit overhyped, but they could change my mind soon as they play the Packers, Saints, and Chiefs all within the next month. I don't think the Rams need to win those games to prove how good they are, and I don't think the Rams will win all of those games. But if their defense can limit those three quarterbacks and those three offenses, I'll buy into the fact that the Rams and their defense are for real. The Saints, on the other hand, my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl, they technically won Sunday's game against the Ravens off Tucker's missed kick, but I think they won the game before that. Anything can happen uh, in overtime, but the way the Saints played in the fourth quarter, I have a hard time believing the Saints wouldn't have won that game had it went to overtime. The Saints became the first team all year to score a touchdown against the Ravens' defense in the second half, and they scored two of them in the fourth quarter along with a field goal. at 17 fourth quarter points. Drew Brees has now defeated every single team in the NFL at least once. Second player to ever accomplish that feat. Maybe third. I know Brett Favre was able to do it, and I think Peyton Manning did it as well, so three. Either way, that's unbelievable. The Saints head to Minnesota to take on the Vikings next Sunday night, who, after the first three weeks of the season, there were real questions surrounding the Vikings, kicker issues, defensive breakdowns, the inability to run the football, coaching doubts, you know, a bunch of different uh, questions surrounding the Vikings to start the year. But in the last three weeks, they've won all three games. They sit at first place in the NFC North. But the competition hasn't really been top-notch during their three-game winning streak. During their three-game winning streak, they've beaten the Cardinals, the Jets, and the Eagles. The Eagles, by the way, haven't lived up to being defending Super Bowl champions. We'll see what the Vikings are really about when they play the Saints Sunday. And we'll see if Adam Thielen can break the record for most consecutive 100-yard receiving games to start the year. And that begs the question, who is the best wide receiver in the National Football League right now? I have my opinions, which I will share with you, but I also want to hear from you. Who do you think is the NFL's best wide receiver right now? Is it Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Adam Thielen, or somebody else? Drop me a line on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook and let me know. I personally think the best wideout in the NFL is DeAndre Hopkins. I've said that the last couple of years, 
that's just my opinion. You know, you can make an argument or you can make a case for um, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, all those guys. But my pick is DeAndre Hopkins, and my reasoning is he has produced his whole career with lousy quarterbacks. Aside from Deshaun Watson, who's extremely talented, he's been producing even though the guys who have been throwing him passes are as follows. Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, TJ Yates, Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer. Give me a break. DeAndre Hopkins has to be the best receiver. Think of what he could accomplish with a proven successful quarterback, uh, a Brady or a Breeze or a Rodgers. I think Adam Thielen is playing the best out of that group right now, but he's only been doing this a couple of years. Uh, Hopkins has been doing it for several. So again, I want to know who you think the best wide receiver in the NFL is right now. So drop me a line and let's talk. It is now time for the JF Stacks Waiver Wire Pickup of the Week presented to you by yours truly with an assist from the man, the myth, the legend, John motherfucking Foils, a.k.a. JF Stacks, a.k.a. Stacks, or simply Foils. This week's pickup has six catches for 155 yards and two touchdowns over the last two weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, your JF Stacks Waiver Wire Pickup of the Week is... Traquan Smith, wide receiver from the New Orleans Saints. Now, Traquan Smith is owned in just 12% of ESPN Fantasy Football Leagues. And with Ted Ginn on IR and Cameron Meredith logging only 18 snaps in Week 7, that's a sign that Meredith is still having trouble uh, adjusting to the Saints' playbook. He isn't impressing coaches in practice, whatever the case may be. But this clearly opens the door for Smith to be the number two wideout in New Orleans alongside Michael Thomas. While he's not a must-start, Smith is a must-add, specifically in all PPR leagues. Speaking of the Saints, they recently acquired former Giants cornerback Eli Apple via trade for a third and a seventh round pick in the draft. Uh, The Jaguars also traded for Carlos Hyde late last week, actually right after I released episode 10. And the biggest news of the week, Amari Cooper was shipped out of Oakland to Dallas for a first round draft pick. Last week, I said the Raiders were stupid for asking for a first rounder for a receiver who has first round talent, but he has not lived up to the first round tag over the last couple of years. But the Cowboys bit, and they sent Oakland what will be the Raiders' fifth first-round draft pick over the next two years. All of a sudden, John Gruden isn't looking very stupid after all. Maybe it's the Cowboys who are stupid. Maybe not. Only time will tell. While I've never been a big fan of the Cowboys, I think Jerry Jones is a moron, their fan base is annoying, and their current roster is total garbage outside of Ezekiel Elliott, I am a fan of Amari Cooper, and I hope the Cowboys get what they paid for, which is an extremely talented, young, and exciting wide receiver. With those uh, three trades in the books, I'm interested in seeing what develops of Patrick Peterson's request to be traded from Arizona. Peterson is one of the top cornerbacks in the league, and he's looking to win before the prime of his career passes him by. I cannot say that I blame him. But what teams could use his talents and offer him a chance to win now or sometimes uh, within the next couple of years? Peterson said his preferred destination is with the New Orleans Saints, but with them recently acquiring Eli Apple and given the number of trades that the Saints have already made this season, I'm not sure how likely that acquisition would be. 
but the New England Patriots might make sense. The Patriots are in win-now mode every single year, and they sure can use the help at corner as their pass defense ranks near the bottom of the league. The Kansas City Chiefs also make a ton of sense, but they're more than a Patrick Peterson away from becoming a top defense. However, they they have the offensive talent, and if they could get just a little bit of help on the defensive side of the ball, it might change my mind, and I'll consider them a real Super Bowl contender. The Minnesota Vikings are also another team that could land Peterson. Uh, this doesn't look like the same Vikings defense from a year ago, and as the Vikings hit an, hit an important point in their schedule, they could use a Peterson to fill a role on their defense that's been hit with injuries and inconsistencies all year long. Imagine uh, Peterson and Xavier Rhodes, the duo they would create on the outside. But again, that, that, that outside role for the Vikings, the cornerback position in general, has been hit with defensive injuries and inconsistencies all year long. Staying in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers would be another team that would make sense to trade for Patrick Peterson. This is the third time this season I'm putting the Packers on a list to acquire a Pro Bowl talent via trade that would help them out tremendously. First, Khalil Mack, who they missed out on. Second, Le'Veon Bell, who's already stated he doesn't wish to be traded, and now Patrick Peterson. I have no hope in the Packers that they'll make an attempt to acquire Peterson, but if they were to get him, it sure would take some of the pressure off the best quarterback in the league. Now, we already talked about wide receiver or who the best wide receiver is in the league. And now we're going to turn our attention to the worst starting quarterback in the league. All year, I've been saying that title belongs to Blake Bortles. Well, after a couple of decent games, I decided to take that title and apply it to Cowboys starting quarterback Dak Prescott, referring to him as Dak Trash Scott. And while Dak is still trash, no doubt, believe it, he is still trash, but he's played okay the last couple of weeks. And after the performance by Blake Bortles on Sunday, 6 for 12 for 61 yards and a benching, I'm taking the trash label off Prescott this week, and I'm going to give it right back to Blake Bortles. This guy is just nothing short of being 100% grade A trash. We'll see what the Jaguars do about Blake Bortles in the coming weeks, but if he ends up getting benched for good, he'll no longer be a starting quarterback, and the label of worst starting quarterback is going to go back to Dallas, Texas. So bad. Both of them are garbage. You know what else was bad? The decision by uh, by Titans coach Mike Vrabel to go for a two-point conversion against the Chargers on Sunday in London. The Titans scored a potential game-tying touchdown with about 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And instead of going for an extra point and likely tying the game to send it to overtime, you go for two points and fail and lose the game 20-19? to what a terrible decision. So, Mike Rabel, I present to you the Jimmy Conway Award. What are you, stupid? What's the matter with you? I apologize. What's the matter with you? Sorry. What the f*** is the matter with you? Why do you have to get cute? I, I, I just don't understand the risk that some of these coaches take. Titans kicker Ryan Suckup has kicked well this year, and he has for his entire career. He's got a 94% success rate at making extra points. So really, the Titans had a 94% chance to make the extra point and go into overtime. Instead, you lower your chances by about 50% and it costed you. Why did you get cute? Go into overtime and try to win the game there. Coach Vrabel, I have to ask. What's the matter with you? I apologize. What's the matter with you? What the f*** is the matter with you? Alright, it's time for some picks. (laughs) And if I just went with my gut, 
instead of trying to get cute, I'd have been 5-0 and on the week, which would have been my first 5-0 and week all year. But instead, I went 4-1 and last week, bringing my important picks record to 18-17. and My goal this week, as always, is to get them all correct. My other goal this week is to keep my record above 500 on the year, heading into the halfway mark of the regular season. And I think I can at least do that. It all starts at 9.30 in the morning Eastern Time on Sunday in London when the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars take the trip overseas. This is a game between two teams who have been major letdowns up until this point in the season. The Jaguars laid an egg at home against the Houston Texans last week, and the Eagles forgot to show up in the second half at home against Carolina. That means both teams are coming off home losses. So every every game the Eagles have lost this year has been decided by less than a touchdown. They've been competitive. They just haven't been able to close. They sit at three and, uh, three and four, and they're a game and a half behind first place Washington. But hope is not lost for the Eagles, as there's plenty of time for them to straighten things out and make a run, but it's going to have to start soon. This week, preferably, because after this week, outside of tough games against the Saints, Rams, and Texans, the rest of their schedule is made up of divisional opponents. It's it's huge for the Eagles if they want to save their season, because they're on the ropes right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars, on the other hand, they're an absolute mess. They've lost their last three games by a combined score of 77-28. to 28. They haven't even been competitive. And couple that with the fact that their starting quarterback was benched last week, and he'll be on a short leash this week. There's been all kinds of shuffling going on in the backfield without Leonard Fournette. They signed Jamal Charles. He played two weeks there. Then they got rid of him. They brought in Carlos Hyde. They still have TJ Yeldon. They don't know what they're doing in the backfield. Their defense looks weak. It's like they lost the motivation that they had uh, last year. And I haven't even mentioned the heated locker room argument that was reported after last Sunday's loss. The only good news coming from North Florida right now is they're only a game out of first place. You know, when the schedule was released, this looked like a matchup of two Super Bowl hopeful teams playing on a neutral field. Eight weeks in, it's just another average London game between two average teams. I have a hard time taking the Jacksonville Jaguars over anybody right now, because at least the Eagles are desperate. They know what they've got to do. The Jacksonville, they don't seem to have a clue. Eagles win and cover the three-point spread, 23-14. And at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a downslide after starting the season hot to take on a Bengals team who've lost two in a row. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've lost their leading linebacker, Quan Alexander, for the year to a knee injury. And, and that's nothing short of a punch in the mouth for a defense allowing the most points per game this season. While the offense has slowed down since their 2-0 start behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, they still remain dangerous, being led by Jamie's Winston. And couple that with Cincinnati's pass defense has allowed about 300 yards per game over the last five, which is good for 27th in the NFL. And speaking of the Bengals, their confidence has to be at a season low after the embarrassing effort that they put up against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night. They were torched. 45-10. to 10. And a beatdown like that on national TV, it, it surely has to have the Bengals questioning themselves going forward. Everybody's, uh, at least this year, everybody's given up yards and they're going to give up points to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
But the fact that the Bengals put up only 10 points is especially concerning. Andy Dalton finished the game 15-29 for 148 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not the kind of numbers you'd expect from a good quarterback facing a bottom three defense. The good news is the Bengals get a chance to redeem themselves this week against another bottom tier defense. They'll have to take advantage and they'll get that chance to do it at home. And to me, that's the difference. At home. Bengals win and cover the current four and a half point spread, 34-27. And it's starting to get good, folks. At uh, 425 Eastern Time, the Green Bay Packers come off their bye, but they're going to have to travel way west to take on the undefeated LA Rams. The current spread on this is minus eight for the home team, which makes this the largest underdog Aaron Rodgers has been since he became starter in 2008. It shows you what Vegas thinks of this matchup. I happen to think a little bit differently. For one, okay, first first things first, it's a no-brainer to take the Packers at plus eight, should it remain there. But as far as straight up, I think you have to go with the Rams. Both defenses have underperformed to this point. With the Rams unit, they've turned it on over the last couple of weeks. They've allowed just 33 points over two games. I expect the Packers to score more than what the Rams have allowed on average over the last two, but I think the Rams just have more offensive weapons at their disposal. Green Bay and a healthy Aaron Rodgers, they're going to want to turn this into a shootout against Jared Goff. But why would L.A. fall for that? Why, as a coach, and this is on McVay, why get your young quarterback into a shootout with the game's best quarterback when you have MVP candidate Todd Gurley in the backfield who's licking his chops to get a piece of this Green Bay 22nd-ranked rush defense. If Green Bay can stop Gurley and it does become a shootout, then it's a toss-up. But as I said, for weeks, even months, I don't have faith in any part of this Packers team outside of Aaron Rodgers. So shootout or not, I'm going with L.A. to win, but Packers plus 8, it's a little too tempting to leave on the table. Uh, Score Rams 38, Packers 31. Now, Sunday night football in Minnesota. What a game this is going to be. A rematch of the NFC Divisional Playoff game from last year. A rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle. Remember that? You know, a a lot of people point to Paul Allen with his call of the play on KFAN Vikings Home Radio. But to me, I hate to say this, but to me, it was Joe Buck with the call for the ages. Arguably, Joe Buck's best call of his career. It still gives me goosebumps. I've always wanted to try this, so let's see if I can do it. Keenum steps into it. Passes. Caught! Digs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win! Sorry. Sorry to Saints fans. I had to try. I know I'm no Joe Buck. And that's not good for my potential future play-by-play career. But getting back to this pivotal Week 8 matchup, it's not Drew Brees versus Case Keenum this time. Unfortunately for the Saints and their fans, it's Drew Brees versus Kirk Cousins. And Cousins is third in yards thrown this season behind Matt, uh, Matt Ryan and Patrick Mahomes. No Delvin Cook again this week for the Vikings. And that means Latavius Murray is going to get the majority of backfield work. And Murray and the Vikings rush offense, they've turned it on considerably over the last two games. 
but that was against the 14th ranked Jets rush defense and the Cardinals 32nd ranked rush defense. The Saints rank first in stopping the runs this year. They allow just 72 yards a game and they allow just 3.1 yards per carry. But if the Vikings can find success in the run game, that would prove a lot after a slow start to the year in that category. And I think I think the Vikings can do it. I'm not seeing a, a 150 or 200 yard rushing performance from Minnesota, but even if they can run the ball 20 to 25 times and have some success doing that, that's going to take a lot of pressure off Kirk Cousins in the passing game. The Vikings defense has looked better over the last three games. They're going to have their hands full with Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, I'll tell you that right now. The Saints are one of the NFL's best teams, and they do have revenge on their mind. The Saints can beat you a number of different ways on offense. The Vikings can't beat you any way they want, but they can beat you with Cousins to Diggs or Cousins to Adam Thielen. It sounds easy, doesn't it? Slow down Stephon Diggs, slow down Adam Thielen. It's not that easy. It's obviously not that easy because no one's been able to do it yet, especially Adam Thielen. A 100-yard game this week is going to put Adam Thielen atop the standings for most 100-yard games to start the season, and I think he gets it. As far as the outcome goes, the Saints are one-point underdogs, so this game is about as close to a pick as you can ask for. This game, it's being billed as a revenge game for the New Orleans Saints, given how the playoff game between these two ended in January. But what about the Vikings? They, they had given up a substantial 17-0 halftime lead and a 17-7 lead going into the fourth. They dominated the majority of that playoff game. They gave up a comfortable lead late and had to rely on a miracle finish to escape the divisional round with the win. You don't think the Vikings are eager to prove they're the better team? You don't think the Vikings are eager to prove that their slow start to the season was, in fact, a fluke? I really hate to pick against the Saints, especially seeing as how good and hot that they've been all year. But with the game being in Minnesota, and I think the Vikings need a victory just a little bit more than the Saints, I'm going to go with Minnesota to win the game 31-24. And that leads us to Monday Night Football in Buffalo as the Bills host the Patriots No real reason to spend more than a minute on this game. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have owned the Buffalo Bills over the last 18 years. And with the way things are trending right now for the Patriots, there's no reason to think they won't own the Bills again. We've seen it three times over the last four years where the Patriots start 2-2 and and they go on long winning streaks, they correct their errors, and in the process, they go on their way to a deep playoff run. This Patriots team, they may not be as good as some of the other teams from New England's past, but the Bills are starting Derek Anderson again after that pitiful performance he had last Sunday. They're starting Derek Anderson again. So I'm willing to bet the farm the Patriots win this game and cover the 14-point spread in the process Patriots 41, Bills 17. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Join My League Football Podcast. I do appreciate you listening, and I appreciate all the love you guys give on Facebook, Instagram specifically. Actually, I mean, Facebook, I don't usually do a whole lot on there. But Instagram, you guys are awesome, and I really appreciate it. So keep it up. And don't forget to go to YouTube and subscribe there. 
I, I do submit a video there every week. I could tell most of you listen on Spotify, so don't jerk me around, okay? Don't be afraid to listen on YouTube. I know it's not as convenient, uh, but go there and subscribe because I'm not sure how much worth it it is. Those people at YouTube are a real pain, okay? So I may not continue the uploads there for very long. Thank you for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Um, I hope your team wins this week unless they're playing mine. Kill your fantasy league and have a fantastic weekend.